0: This is episode number 222 of the Rising Man podcast with Jason Blewett. We must resume living the way that we were designed to. What's up, Rising Man family? Thank you for joining me here today for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. My name is Jedi Azuma, and I'm honored to be sitting here with you this morning. Before we get into today's episode and I introduced our guest for today, I want to remind you guys that we have our Rising Man Brotherhood space. Wherever you are in the world, as long as you have a Wi-Fi signal, you can be tapped into the Rising Man community, accessing our private community calls, accessing our private community telegram, and so many other ways for you to just be connected to other great men. Just go to risingman.org brotherhood, get yourself signed up there today, and we'll see you on the next call. All right. My guest for today is Jason Blewett. Jason is a men's transformational coach and founder of a movement called Primal Man Project. His movement was founded on the principle that as humans we are living a long way from their design. Through his retreats, men's circles and transformational programs, he is helping men tap into their evolutionary origins to help them lead happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives. In this episode, we focused on how we were designed to live on this planet, looking at both physical evidence and interpretation, why working together is our original nature and instructions, and why we've gone so far away from collaborative lifestyle. We asked ourselves the question, if not for returning to primitive societies, then what can we do? We talked about our greatest responsibility to the next generation in order to help them succeed. Our addiction is a feature of lost connection and why we must make the distinction between work and purpose. Without further ado, Jason Blewett. All right, Rising Man fam, I got another amazing man joining me here today. Mr. Jason Blewett coming in from down under. Brisbane, yeah. Australia, Australia, how you doing, Australia. bro? So good, brother. Yeah, Australia. <laughs> I love
1: it, man. Did I tell you about the time I came to Australia? No, man, but I'm not surprised you've been down here. You got that kind of vibe about you. People that come to this country kind of tend to have a little bit of gristle about them. And it's good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did, I did pretty well over there. We came over there at the end of 2018. We were there for almost a month. We, we had, had some mm. good times out there. Saw, saw a lot of the, the eastern coast, which was really cool. Yeah. i dig the culture down there man i just love Mm -hmm. the the
1: playfulness of australian culture (laughs) is what i really appreciate the most yeah some beautiful things about the australian culture we're pretty we're pretty sturdy we we had a culture of being on the land so a lot of our culture even in the cities pretty resilient pretty uh can take the head take the knocks and I love that resilience as part of Australian culture. There's also some parts of Australian culture I think that we're working on improving, but um, you know we can get into that. It's a, it's it's a it's a great opportunity and a very fertile place for the kind of work that I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that to be true. I find that probably second to the United States, I think Australia is one of the most rampant terrains and territories for personal growth and development right now, especially in the men's space. So a lot of really yeah. good guys out there doing good work alongside you. Um, Hundred those- percent. So yeah man uh, glad to have you here looking forward to dropping Thanks, in seeing what we can excavate you know where i like to start is your definition of what it means to be a man
1: mm. to me being a man is about the lifelong journey to take responsibility for self and the impact that i have on those around me so my family my community and the world
0: mm responsibility, man. that's uh, it's a it's an answer that often comes up when we're talking about this question. So mm-hmm. when you talk about responsibility, what do you mean? What is it? What does it look mm-hmm. like for you as a man in your life to take responsibility?
1: Yeah, I, I like to talk a lot about design and understanding the human design is a big part of the work that I do and understanding what I'm. What i'm inclined to desire as a man and what my design as in my evolutionary design has me wanting to do and to be Mm. and for me taking responsibility means understanding myself on a deep level and understanding that desire and then translating that desire into the outside world so i desire to be a leader i desire to be a father i desire to be a man who is making a positive impact. And so taking responsibility starts within, for me, around that deeper understanding. And then when I translate design to what I want to have as an impact in the world, it it needs to be something for me that's conscious and decided. So deciding who I want to be as a man and then deciding the kind of impact I want to have and also the kind of life that I want to live. So living consciously, living deliberately. Mm.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good explanation for me. I hear in what you're saying, being being at the center of all things, all problems, all solutions, all of it. To mm-hmm. me, that's what radical responsibility is. It's being the root source for both sides of the problem solution spectrum. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the most empowering things that a man ever told me is if i if I learn to see myself as the problem, then I also get to be the solution as well,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: that it's that simple antidote for the victim consciousness that so many of us are prone to. I know myself as well. Um, mm. So is that is that
1: re- resonant with what you're saying there about? Yeah, hundred percent. And whenever I'm working with men in the circles and the and the work that I do, and I hear them talking outside of themselves, my wife this, my family that, my job that, And I said, well, what about you? What's gone on with you that that's the situation that you've created for yourself? What about you that you know when i hear people talk about you know i had a a narcissistic partner or i had these things going on outside of me and i say, well yeah i hear that that might be true but also what is it going on with you that's either called that in or that's enabling or that's challenged to set a boundary in your life so for me it all comes back to self
0: Mm -hmm. awesome well Let's use that as a springboard into what we came to discuss today. Uh, one of the things yeah. that you said that I, I just think is such a cool topic. I, I personally, I'm very fascinated by it and could riff for hours. Have you read the book *Sapiens*?
1: It's one of okay. it's one of my Bibles,
0: of course. Yeah, I, I think that's a for me. Anyone who hasn't read the book *Sapiens* by uh, Yuval, Yuval Harari. Harari, yeah, Yuval. There's a middle name in there too. Is it Noah? Yuval Noah Harari, yeah. Something like that. Um, *Sapiens* uh, it's such a great dive into human history that is so much different than what most of us received in school (laughs) at least what i got in school i know that for sure the new jersey public school system um and 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 to consider different possibilities about Mm -hmm. what living on this planet could be like and what inhabiting Mm -hmm. these bodies could be like and even in quotations should be like that's what's up for debate Mm -hmm. here so you said something to me before we started recording. I said, what do you want to talk about? You said, I want to talk about why, how we got to a place where we're living far away from the way we were designed. Mm. Let's start there. How
1: were we designed to live on this planet? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, from best as we can understand, you know, evolutionary biology gives us a lot of hints. Paleoanthropology gives us some information, but it's hard to assemble things before records, right? We can make best guess but <clears throat> I love and I'm inspired by understanding as a species and it it actually kicked off with sapiens that book was one of the things that really started my journey to understanding this yeah, and yeah it's um for me understanding that for probably 200,000 years as a species homo sapiens sapiens our species lived in a pretty challenging environment with a lot of adversity And the reason why, as best we can understand, that we were successful is we did a really good job of working together. So human beings are the most prolific and successful species on the planet, arguably. And we did that even though we were not the strongest, not the fastest, not the toughest. We did that by working together. And what's happened over the last probably five to 10,000 years is we've gone from a model of pure egalitarianism, pure cooperation, pure tribe, living in groups of, you know, 80 to 120 people. You knew everyone, you were connected to everyone, and your, your, your benefit was their benefit, and their benefit was your benefit. So we are evolved physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally to contribute, and all of our neurochemistry all aids the fact that we feel better when we're with others, we feel better when we're contributing. And so for me, what I take away from our design is living in tribes, contributing, being connected to other humans in our experience of life and having a culture that supports that contribution and connection. And a big challenge I see for the way that we're set up now is that we've we've departed from that. We went from hunter-gatherer societies that were cooperative to this Agricultural and then industrial society that was all about the individual, the individual pursuit of benefit, the individual pursuit of career, making money so for let's, exchange. Let's,
0: let's, let's, let's blow that up for a second. Why? Yeah. Why did why, why did individuation become so important and valued? At least in your at least either in your opinion mm-hmm. or in your research.
1: Hmm. Yeah, my understanding is that when we started planting our food, when we needed to protect our land as belonging to us indigenous cultures and you know we look at a great example in australia indigenous people here didn't believe or didn't have a concept of land ownership as we understand it today we they the land they belonged to the land as opposed to the land belonging to them once we planted our food and we needed to defend our our land and took ownership it then started a whole chain of events that created warfare ultimately created civilizations that needed to put borders, countries that had boundaries, kingdoms that had walls around them, because we needed to defend the thing that we relied on in order to survive. Well, that, and from there, yeah.
0: Sorry to cut you off, but, that, right. but I, I mean, I think there's something there that we, we need to really dig into because yeah. the idea, I don't I don't believe, and you could disagree, mm. that the idea mm. of possession started with land, quote unquote, ownership. I mm, I think that yeah. I think that possession in general must I, I I'm guessing obviously we there's no one we can ask but mm. I, I would I would wager to say that possession of things or objects or or whatever existed mm. before the the agricultural revolution right so it, it, it definitely did and if and if that's yeah. the case then it makes me curious as to well why did this idea of possessing land why did that mm. have such A shift in the influence uh, of moving away from this collaborative living to more of an individual pursuit of of success and food caches and wealth Mm. etc that's what is it about
1: the land you think initially it didn't initially land was owned in aggregate so in medieval times and in and in early european history at least land was owned by the king and or the the Lord or the uh, in a fiefdom. And so serfs or workers were part of a collective. So they still contributed to the greater good. As civilization evolved, they portioned land. And as private ownership of land became a thing, it became smaller and smaller and smaller. And as that land became pockets of land that were only able to sustain a family group, that then created the birth of individualization and individual ownership of the land. And then part of the cultural influence of Greek and Roman democracy, where the individual was put forward as paramount, where the individual had a vote and a voice and a say. So combining those two forces created this individual pursuit of benefit. And then it got supercharged during the Industrial Revolution where... They no longer were able to earn living from the land and get what they needed from subsistence. They needed to go away from a home to work in a factory and work in a job or a trade. And so that severed the tie from any ability to, to create what you needed on your own land. And then you had to go in exchange for money. for money. So that, that cascade started with land ownership.
0: And you know what's fascinating is I I also would bet all my money that at every one of those timeline intervals, Mm -hmm. like you said, like, you know, each shift that you just mentioned, at that point in time, I bet it sounded like the best idea ever.
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) I bet that they were like, this is going to change everything
1: for the better,
0: right? We're, 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 society is going to become so great. And Mm -hmm. in retrospect, we look back and we're like, oh my God, what were they thinking? They screwed yeah. us. They screwed us. <laughs> they set us back millennia by introducing yeah. these concepts. And similarly, because that that way of thinking, I bring it right to the present. And I say, okay, well, what are we doing right now yeah. that hundreds of years from now, humans are going to look back and say, Jesus Christ, you guys really screwed us over here. <laughs> I mean, come on. Is it is it the cell phone? Is it the internet? Is it yeah. technology? Is it... um Toilet bowls, you know that we don't squat mm. to
1: go to the bat. It's, I mean, it's it's probably many things. It's it's all of the, it's all of those things combined. And, yeah. and and for me, it's about the lack of conscientiousness, the lack of consciousness about those incremental changes. As we've slowed to death by a thousand cuts, no, none none of these moves happened overnight. They all happened on slow progressions, you know, such that if you if you see somebody every day, you don't notice they've lost weight. You you see them. A year apart wow man you look amazing so these changes were slow and incremental and for everyone who was in it it felt slow but where we are today i don't i don't choose to flagellate or to you know get too bent out of shape about the fact that we are where we are but looking back to the maybe the designers and influence we say okay well we can't go back to living hunter-gatherer societies we know that we can't go back to living 100 subsistence in most cases you know most of us are in cities so what can we do to bring back the best parts of what the human animal, the human being was designed to be doing and bring it in and integrate it?
0: That sounds like a massive undertaking. It's also something yeah. that I agree with entirely because I've, yeah. I've contemplated this pretty much since I could start to see the world and understand it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Once I started to, once I became privy to, hey, we're, we're, we're not doing something correct here. We're missing something. Yeah. My mindset naturally went back to deconstructing, decentralizing, breaking down constructs to start new. Like, let's take the social et- etch-a-sketch and just shake that motherfucker <laughs> up and then uh, start over. Um, and as I've matured a little bit, I've I've recognized mm. just how disruptive that would be. You know talk about yeah. Armageddon, talk about chaos and mayhem and carnage to mm. shake that many of us simultaneously out of our coherence and even even if it's in favor of a more optimal society, mm. more optimal way of living in relationship with the earth and all life, to make a shift like that overnight or even just in the span of one generation is mm. tremendously disruptive. That would be like, having somebody walking on a treadmill and without ramping up the speed, all of a sudden it just goes from like three to 25, no ramp up, just like snap. Boom. You're just like ejecting people off of treadmills all the way down the
1: road. I I, I think I've tried that a couple of times. you got to start at a sprint. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You got like, it's like,
1: you gotta like go bam. You just like shoot out like a gun. Uh, Well, well in the same way that the changes didn't happen, Suddenly, to get here, the changes aren't going to happen suddenly. To adapt and to innovate for where we are, and sure. I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm an optimist. You know, one of my I don't know if you've done your Gallup strengths or Gallup Clifton strengths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of my top five is positivity. So I see I see a beautiful opportunity that humans have have created for ourselves, that human beings and and humanity as a species and as a as a collective of divine beings having a human experience. We've come on this journey to realize where we are in order to correct and learn the lesson. And um, there's a beautiful conversation I had with my son. I said, What would you do if you had the infinity stones? You know, all of the infinity stones with the gauntlet uh and Thanos' gauntlet. And and, you know, he's like, Yeah, you know, he started with the material stuff. Yeah, I'd have some Lego and i have some computers. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, Dad, I think I'd, I think I'd um clean up the oceans. You know, we got a lot of plastic in the oceans. I think I'd I'd take away the plastic. <clears throat> and then he said something that was really profound. He said, but then people would repollute the ocean and nobody would, and I would just, I'd, become a, I'd become the earth's garbage man. So he said, I don't think I would do anything because we've got to learn to look after the planet. Mm. And he said, and we need to learn that lesson. There you go. So it's yeah. beautiful wisdom. And I think this journey is perfect. We've We've come away from our design to see where we've erred and to allow ourselves to correct and come back. And you see it, I don't know if I'm just putting the lens of optimism on, but I see it everywhere. I see environmentalism, social consciousness, personal development, mental health. I see these movements, these conversations. Ten years ago in Australia, you couldn't talk about men's mental health without people snickering. Now, are you okay, Day? is a national event you know people talk about their mental emotional health people talk about climate change people talk about the state of the planet and how and how we're living unsustainably it's it's a beautiful thing to watch and i'm really i'm really optimistic that we get to integrate the best parts of our design into a way that we live today
0: yeah well that's definitely something you and i share is optimism I've, I'm naturally an optimist and I've actually had to learn how to counter my optimism because sometimes my Mm -hmm. optimism has reflected itself as idealism. Yeah. And it's a, it's kind of an interesting swing when when my mm. optimism gets the air sucked out of it i can get, get really dark really fast and all of a sudden i'm in an existential swing and i'm like what the fuck are we doing this for anyway it's over it's pointless why why <laughs> did i have know, children they're doomed. <laughs> uh, you
1: know, it means anything let's just throw in the throw in the towel
0: totally and obviously if i really felt that way we wouldn't be here having this conversation <laughs> <No>. and, <laughs> but, I, I, and i and i wouldn't be sitting here of course of course and you know, I look at these children, man. I, I look at my kids. I look at the kids that I, I witness at the playground and places that we're at. They're they're coming into this life so different than, yeah. than I did, than we did. There's obviously the circumstances around them are different, entirely different. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost like they they upgraded the the software at the at the at the packaging plant
1: (laughs) at the production (laughs) facility there you go like the pro
0: the processors are faster you know like the internal processors are faster and they learn more quickly uh the trick there is what are we what new information are we uploading into their hard drive right because they got they got like the the brand new computer that's totally blank they come out and they're like boom their motor's ready to fly. Whatever we feed into them, they're gonna learn way mm. quicker than any of us did growing up. And there's access to everything now, correct? Right? Yeah. So the risk that I see and the play, the opportunity, I guess go back to the opportunity, mm. is how we raise our children, what we teach them, what we in, encourage them to value. And I don't think there's anything more important than that right now on this planet. Yeah. I can't think of one thing that is more important than installing those values and and perspectives like your like your your son saying I, you know we got to clean up the oceans, being able to produce that and and have that context for for life and purpose on this planet because I wasn't thinking about cleaning up plastic. I mean, when I was younger, they were just trying to get us not to throw trash on the streets. They're like, hey, listen, just make it into the can. Who cares what it is? Just get it off the streets. That's enough. Don't litter. <laughs> Littering was like the worst thing you could do, which was that was a big step. Right. Yeah. But now we're talking about like, well, where is that trash going? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. making it into the can, but we're just dumping the can in the ocean. So what's the point anyway? So uh, that's how I see it, man. I I wonder
1: if you see it similarly, if you have more to add on to that. Yeah. Look, I I completely agree that. (laughs) I was talking to somebody about the challenges that they had with their parents. And I think Jordan Peterson says their 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 journey's done focus on the next generation you know mm-hmm. people that have and, and I don't want to make that too much comment about you know parental responsibilities and our responsibility for their journey but it's yes the, the, the place that we get to have the biggest impact is in our legacy for me it does start with the leaders of a family the fathers the brothers the uncles the dads the the men who are currently without that level of consciousness and awareness to be able to download those values into their children because if you don't have it at that level the kids are going to get by default what's floating around on tiktok which is it the is fucking it is. tide pie
0: challenge like eating laundry detergent oh my god man like
1: the, the stuff that they're doing these days it's like jesus yeah well, that's so. That's for me. That kind of accelerates the emphasis on the work that I need to do with with men. Is mm-hmm. that sure. if we can take responsibility at our level, and even having this conversation wouldn't have happened without men's work. If you hadn't had the journey that you had, you wouldn't be having a conscious awareness of what you were downloading into your kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that.
0: I, I definitely see myself because I, I walk down the street and I see you know if I took ten guys my age, just random, randomly selected out of downtown austin texas well i guess austin texas is kind of a special place it is pretty special let's just (laughs) let's just just say 10 random guys my age here in the united states uh it's it's still a very privileged position for for me to have the awareness that i have and i i recognize that i don't take that for granted Mm. that i've had access to resources and mentors and people who i've looked up to to create the world perspective that i had Part of it has always been my path. That's just speak, me speaking personally. I was mm-hmm. already considering stuff like this as a kid, even when, even though I didn't really know what I was thinking about or talking about. I always knew that I would be in a position to help people at a, at a large scale. That, that was always something I wanted to do was to to in affect in impact on people in a large scale. I've had mm-hmm. all a million different ideas and ways I wanted to do that throughout the course of my life. But I think some, some of us are just wired that way. But it's it's certainly not, a, a broad stroke across our generation. And I think that's where that, that's where, like, that existential voice starts to creep in for me. It's like, wow, well, you know, what, what are, what are, what's the ratio here, right? Are, mm. are enough of us going to get on board with how important mm. this is for our
1: kids to make a difference? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, Jenny, respectfully, i have got to disagree with you, man. Um, and yeah, feel free to challenge me on this, but the desire to make an impact is not culturally conditioned into the majority of people and that's present. What I've discovered in the work that I do is a desire to help is inbuilt into all of us. And a question that I ask myself is, how do you want to serve? So asking the men in terms of finding purpose, which is a big part of the work that I do, it is hardwired into our DNA to feel better we get hits of oxytocin and serotonin in spades when we contribute to other people and people that do charity work um and you know we know this from men's work it feels amazing to see people having an impact from what we do and i think my my opinion is that because society has structured us in such a separate way we don't get access to or by default have pre-programmed places where we can contribute so for me it's about helping men understand if you're individually pursuing your own benefit and the benefit of your family it's not going to light you up in the same way that it will if you find purpose that's bigger than yourself if you find the thing that's worth fighting for and once you get access to that the, the dozens and dozens of men that have done my program that teaches this all say the same thing I feel inspired i feel lit up i feel energized and to me there's there's a universality in that that i really feel is there if we want to get access to it
0: yeah well thanks for sharing that I, i'm not sure exactly where the disagreement point is because what, <laughs> what i hear you saying is actually very congruent with what i believe when it yeah. comes to my thoughts about good and evil in the world You know, a lot of people out there know my, how I feel about words like toxic masculinity. I I just, I'm just so tired Mm -hmm. of it because I don't believe that there are any innately evil human beings on this planet. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people out there who have like a mother-in-law that they would, they're just, they like, I disagree with you. She's evil. And some people, (laughs) (laughs) like some people were put on this planet is as evil people. I just don't believe that. That's why, that's why Mm -hmm. I think it comes back again to the way that we're raising kids and, and the culture that we're installing into our families because mm. mm. every time you look at somebody who commits an act of violence or does something out of what is normal acceptable human behavior in society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's always there's always a story behind it
1: there, there there
0: aren't ever any random acts of evil you mm.
1: know and and, heard and people, here people hurt people right
0: well yeah there, there's that and and even let's let's take it out of the realm of observing adults, right? Let's look at the uh-huh. innocence, right? Let's look at children. I love my children. Uh-huh. They're so honest. There's like no filter. Uh-huh. My son does things that are hurtful. like he'll he'll physically hit me and my wife and his sister, his younger sister. He'll say things that are hurtful. Like he'll use words that he knows have a charge behind them. But there's always something behind it. He doesn't yeah. really want to hurt us. He, he He's mm-hmm. trying to communicate and express himself. And I don't think that fundamentally, I think that that is exactly the same as a 30 year old man who walks into an apartment building and shoots eight people because of something mm-hmm. that's happened in his, yeah. in his story or his experience. And so where, I, this is where I always come to. I'm kind of, we're kind of digressing a little bit, but I think this is actually an important point. Where I always come back to is talk about responsibility. Going back to what you said mm. before about what it means to be a man. It, my version of being a man means I take responsibility for that man who walked into that apartment building even if he lived on the other side of the country because I'm participating in a society that has contributed to that but not taken responsibility for that man. Didn't wow. take responsibility for that kid Who was probably bullied? Who was probably beaten? Who was probably abused or broken down at some point in time that created enough hurt that boiled over into an expression of violence? Because that's all he knew. And Mm. it's just like my son when he runs out of resources and the capacity to articulate and express what he's feeling, he's going to show me. He's going to show me. Mm. He's going to show my wife. He's going to let us know how he's feeling because that's that's what creates a sense of connection again. Going back to what you said mm-hmm. before, we're we're designed to connect, to be in relationship with each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if we don't figure out how to be in relationship with each other better, then none of what you and I talked
1: about from our optimistic lens is possible. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think the distinction here that I, I just wanna clarify Around the point that I heard from you earlier, which is that some people do and some people don't have a desire to contribute. You know, that there was something within you that was innate and it was something that you saw about yourself from a really young age, and that
0: mm-hmm. there's
1: a percentage of people that will have that and, and the others won't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel it's there for all of us to tap right. into when we feel connected, when we feel like what we do matters, and when we feel like what we do is contributing. And yeah, I love I love this philosophy of ikigai, the Japanese philosophy where we, you know, you take what you love, what you're good at, and what you what the world needs, and then you turn that into something that creates abundance for yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. And that's not possible without the connection that you talk about. If we don't feel connected to a community of people that we feel like our contribution will be valued, we're we're back to the individual pursuit of benefit.
0: Uh, absolutely. And yeah, to clarify and go back to that, uh, mm. I I agree with you. I, I in fact that's what I was that's what I was suggesting afterwards is that I I agree that that's our natural orientation. Like you said, yeah, we're we're hardwired to be this way. We, we had yeah. we had to be because our our ancestors were taking down friggin' woolly mammoths, and that's not a one man <laughs> job. That's, that's not a one man job. Maybe nowadays with the technology we have, but in, back in that time and place, man, no, th- man. There's, that's not a one man job. So. Uh-huh. We were designed to, and like you said, we have chemical release patterns and hormones that yeah. are activated, that trigger, that motivate these, this way of being. There's, there's chemical components within our bodies that go above our ability to think, right? We're, all, we're talking about emotions, right? When we, when mm-hmm. we feel emotions, that's, also, that's always tied to some sort of chemical or hormonal release. It's Like our body's intelligence that's working above the intelligence that I think I have about how I'm feeling and what I need to do. No. Mm-hmm. And, that, uh, and
1: that, body, that body intelligence, that's the design. Yeah. That's what I talk about when you ask me, what do you mean by design? The design is the things that we desire, the things that we experience without consciously knowing, without actually understanding that there's something missing. Yeah. You know, I speak to men and I've got, you know, Primal Man Project. We've got 400 men in our community from 15 countries around the world. So I get a lot of feedback from guys about what they experience and what they feel. And the thing that I hear over and over and over again is like, I've got the car, I've got the house, I've got the wife, I've got the career, I've got money, but there's something missing. There's something, there's something, and I can't quite put my finger on it. It's like it's on the tip of my tongue. And when we do a a breakdown of what their lives look like, it's in pursuit of individual benefit. Mm -hmm. Contribution is missing. Connection is missing. um, Community is missing. And when you install those things, yeah, this this cascade of happy chemicals, this cascade of physiology that's designed to have us collaborating goes into effect in a beautiful way as it's been evolved over millions of years before we were humans and then hundreds of thousands of years. It's It's a perfectly tuned machine that is gearing us to be in connection with others. I agree with that. It actually reminds me
0: of a piece of advice I, I've doled out over the years when, when it comes to people who are really depressed or in that mm. low state, like like all of us have been at some point mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. I usually say, if you if you can't muster up the energy to do anything, if you can't think your way out of depression, which is, because it is, sometimes it's hard. Like you said, we're going back to the yeah. chemical components, right? Like sometimes mm. our body's chemistry is out of whack and it's it's hard to pull myself out of that dark hole then one of the simplest things to do is to go out and find a way, way or a place to be of service. Find somebody that you can be of service to. Go go volunteer at a soup kitchen. Go walk your neighbor's dog, something. It doesn't even have to be a, a grand gesture, but something that will flip that chemical faucet in our brains over to the <laughs> other side long enough to remind us, oh yeah, yeah, actually, I do have purpose. I do have value. I, it, it, it gives us that physical evidence. And then, you know, you get the, you get the chemicals all pumping in the right ratios again. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm, now I'm a little bit, I'm back above the line again. I can, I can function in the world.
1: Mm, I love that. That's great advice. And it, and it rings true from the neuroscientific perspective, because we, we rely a lot on dopamine. Our society is very geared towards pleasure, pursuit, going after it. And it's like the donkey with a stick that has a carrot on the end, and it's just dangling out in front. Dopamine is designed to drive us forward. But if all we're ever doing is pursuing, pursuing money, pursuing career, pursuing success, we get depleted in that area. You know, Neurochemically, it gets depleted. Yeah. And the only way to rebalance dopamine is to get oxytocin and serotonin, the things that we get when we have a hug, when we contribute to someone, when we feel good about doing something that's of value. It actually rebalances our neurochemistry, which then gives us an ability to go after it. And to and to top up that tank, so yeah, that's that's the neurochemical explanation of purpose is contribution to others has us feel good, and so we can do more.
0: Yeah, but man, it's so much easier just to take a pill that's going to do that. Right? It's so much <laughs> easier to just throw something down well, the gullet that's going to make me feel yeah. differently, or or rub one out. dead. Yeah. That di- and that's let's talk about that for a minute because. Mm. It's such. It's so interesting when you really bring it down to the scientific level and we're just talking about yeah. che- chemicals and chemistry. And I, yeah. I, know, I know a lot of people, chemistry wasn't their favorite subject in school, but but if you really, really take the time to understand, it's not that complicated. There's certain things that happen within the body that motivate us to do certain things. And there's certain ways to get those chemicals to release. A lot of these addictive patterns and behaviors we've created are shortcuts to... Mm-hmm. Like I guess it's hacking or maybe overriding the normal chemical releases in our bodies and uh, shortcutting too, shortcutting the system to get what our brain needs to feel good. Mm -hmm. And and I and you know I I get we say we see it all the time. Sometimes it takes a lot more effort to be vulnerable and ask for a hug than it does to shoot something into my arm or drink a bottle of something.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah and and for me addiction in our society is a feature of lost connection and um there's a, a great book of that title um, and i think it's johan hari who has an amazing book about this exact topic and he talks about di- addiction is a disease of loneliness and you know i think about alcoholics anonymous they are the most successful sobriety you know, organization, 12-step organization mm-hmm. in the world, arguably one of the best personal development movements of all time. Mm-hmm. Their model is not to tell people to stop drinking. Their model is to replace what is ultimately loneliness and disconnection that has people pursuing alcohol with connection. They sit in circle. They do what we do. And lo and behold, people feel belonging, people feel acceptance, people feel the oxytocin and serotonin, which rebalances their desire to pursue dopamine. And dopamine is what you get when you drink alcohol, take cocaine, masturbate, have sex. I mean, some of those things are good. Some of those things are maybe not so great for you, no judgment. But when you rebalance it with connection, it alleviates that insatiability about your desire that often drives addiction. So definitely recommend that book for anyone listening
0: yeah say, say the name of the, book again, of the book again
1: it's lost connections and lost the connections. author is yeah let me just pull it up and make sure i'm getting that right lost connections by johan Hari. he's he's a great author he's done a number of different books i really align to the work that i do around uh the way that society has taken us away from our design and Basically, the the cost and the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got another book as well, but I've um, can't think of it just now. Lost connections, great book.
0: Yeah, that's it's funny you mentioned Alcoholics Anonymous because going back just a couple steps, um, I've never I've never participated in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I know plenty of people who have, and I know that one of the oh. first things that they do is they they give uh, newcomers a job and the the first job that you can earn is to be the one who shows up to make coffee. And there's such simple brilliance behind it because mm-hmm. going back to what you were you were you were just saying, it it gives somebody a very simple, a very achievable way to give back. right? People show yeah. up to those meetings, and everybody wants coffee, right? Or I, almost everybody wants coffee, right? People love mm-hmm. coffee. And so it gives them a sense of purpose if i if i don't show up and i'm the person who makes the coffee people are not going to have coffee now most folks will sell themselves out all life long but to not to, but to be responsible for people not having what they need now that's that's a bigger yeah. that's a higher stakes game yeah. so showing up and you got to show up early to make the coffee cuz you can't be yeah. late and then people are sitting down they don't have their coffee yet so it's it's so simple but giving somebody a, a job giving somebody purpose like you said uh-huh. it's it's just a very basic way to start rewiring the or rebalancing the neurochemicals in the brain yeah
1: i love that give somebody a job if you want to have
0: them feel happy yeah Yeah. that's really what we're talking about when we talk about purpose right i mean
1: yeah we we could
0: we could use whatever terminology that we want but work purpose job passion it's we're all talking about having something that creates an, an An impact on someone else, someone, something, someone or something outside of ourselves. Yeah. That's all any of us really want at the core. And anybody who's not connected to that, I believe, is just layers of woundedness experiences that led them astray from that. Because going back to kids again, man, kids are such wonderful teachers. You go into a kindergarten classroom, especially when these kids have not had because they're so still so young, they haven't had negative those sim- negative influences that exist in the world. They just help each other. They just naturally mm-hmm. want to work together. And yeah, there's like scuffles, because there is that part of us that has boundaries and needs to learn how to defend and protect itself. But ultimately, there's there's that innate sense of, I'm here to help you have a good experience and to make this experience around us better for everybody who's here. Hey, we're all in the same classroom. Oh, it kind of feels like we're a little tribe. Okay. Well, how do we work together here? What do we, what's the, what's the objective today? Okay, cool. We're all going to, we're all going to get seated and have lunch together. Awesome. Let's figure out how to do that. Well, and when you see kids collaborating together, helping each other out, showing and expressing affection to one another concern, you know, when you see concern in a child's Mm -hmm. eyes, like at that age four, three, four, five, when they're emotional intelligence is really starting to upgrade it's it's unbelievable man it's moving it's moving mm-hmm. for me i'm like man where where did that go that that must live inside of every human being somewhere
1: it must that's the, that's, that's the design
0: yeah
1: yeah empathy compassion contribution <clears throat> I, want to, I want to come back to something you said before and it's it's interesting the distinction between career and purpose. Mm -hmm. or work and purpose this is something i experience with men a lot you know when i start talking to men about you know the work that i do in finding purpose i say yeah my purpose is my family and what i see in men that i work with who are in their late 40s who've got kids that are moving out of home who maybe have a divorce or a family separation their whole world collapses Mm -hmm. and they have this existential crisis of what's my purpose if it's not my family Mm -hmm. Well, what's my purpose if I lose my job? And that, and that was my purpose. So I see a a, a risk in attaching purpose or, or collapsing the concept of purpose and career or purpose and family. The way that I've taught men to create purpose is to go bigger. The people in the world who are contributed to using your skills, passions, abilities, and, and let's say vocation, whatever it is that you're able to contribute. But that supersedes that is the overarching framework that if there is a relationship breakdown or when the kids do leave home or heaven forbid you know they lose a child and then their purpose in life is not so geared towards that role that they have nothing without it so i tell my son i love you my my role and my responsibility as a father is to provide for you teach you educate you and and have you be the man that you desire to be but you're not my purpose my purpose is to impact the lives of men and he understands that so when i'm here on calls at night running retreats on weekends doing the work that i do he's like dad what have you got on tonight you know he's in a role dad can i come and help you when can i when can i come to circle How old do I have to be before I can sit in circle, Dad? You know, he's it's like okay, cool. You know, have you got enough firewood for the circle? He's he's enrolled in what I'm doing, and with or without him in my life, I still have the legacy and impact that I desire. I don't desire to have it without him, but I'm not. I don't define myself by reference to him.
0: Yeah, which I think is such an important framework for for all people but specifically men Mm -hmm. specifically men to really be embracing it makes me think of um way of the superior man with david data that was Mm -hmm. chapter 11 i'll never forget it because when i first picked up the book at 21 years old someone gave it to me and i got to that chapter where he says a man must make his his purpose more important than anything in his life including his partner and his family i was like "Mm, nope i put that down i said that can't be true there's no way that that can be true uh, and and the way you described it there, I, I think it, it even embellishes on on that simple com- that simple concept that David Data proposed there of of what that looks like and why, and you know, obviously you and I I think are very congruent in the sense, I, and I am fortunately I have a partner and a family that understands that too. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not easy because there is so such a, a strong social construct around us that suggests otherwise. Yeah, still, especially where we live right now in the suburbs, it's kind of, kind of like the formula, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's that is also something that really gets to change. Uh, but yeah. it's important to be specific about what that means because obviously things can be taken out of context too.
1: Yeah, and, and and I hear you on the formula, you know, and I and I have that meme in my head it's a trap yeah, yeah there you go that's the word the, the white picket fence the career the the car the house the mortgage the holiday two weeks a year yeah. all the things that we're supposed to do the number of men that come to me and say i've got all those things and i feel like it doesn't it doesn't feel like enough Yeah. And that's, and that's this piece that's missing. That's this piece that's missing for so many men, Jaddy. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's, it seems so simple and so obvious because I've seen so much of it and I have this lens of it, Mm -hmm. but applying this, and it's a simple and profound truth that once I share with people, yeah, ah, yeah, I get it. We were designed to live in tribes and we were designed to have a purpose that was more than us. We would have had, if we, and I grew up in Papua New Guinea, which was a pretty cool place to, i didn't realize at the time was have seeds planted that would germinate later so i was you know an australian white kid growing up in a papua New guinea country was you know black people um indigenous people there and so i was separated from their culture enough to be able to see what they would do and contrast it to myself so growing up we would see this that's a women's space don't go there that's a men's hut don't go there that creek that's for women's business and these ideas were so foreign, you know, in the language that I had and and, and the vernacular of a, of a white Anglo-Saxon Australian. But what I realised as I came, you know, along in years, is their whole structure of their culture and society has men and women born into roles that their responsibilities are clear. As a young boy, these are your responsibilities. As a man, you get initiated. These are your responsibilities. These are the things that you can do to contribute. Hunting, and less so now because they're less, you know, hunter-gatherer, but in their traditional ways, these are the things that you that your purpose prescribes you can do to contribute. Uh, because we don't have that by default, we have to design it. Mm,
0: I love that, man. Yeah. So, so much good stuff in there. I, I see, I hear a lot of earmarks in the, in the book of this conversation that we can come back to next time, but we're just about at yeah. time. So I want to make sure. sure we get through these lightning questions and then you can tell people where to go to find out more about what you're up to with Primal Man Project. Um, here we Thank go. You. I'm going to fire away. What is one thing you've
1: learned that you wish you knew when you were 18? There's no such thing as natural talent. There's just people who've worked harder than you. What do you think
0: is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity. Because integrity is is a master value. I love it. And what does the world need most from men right now? Radical
1: self-responsibility.
0: Full circle. All Mm -hmm. right, man. Uh, Last but not least, where can people go to follow you, find out more about Primal Men Project and what you're
1: doing? Give us the, the deets. Yeah, man. Facebook and Instagram, both Primal Man Project. I've got a link tree on the Instagram that will give you the the download on our different programs. If you're in the Southeast Queensland corner, some of your viewers may be. We do men's circles um, and, and retreats. If you're online, anywhere in the world, we actually run an online men's circle that's a free space and a free Facebook group. So if you're interested, you can join the group from the Instagram link tree, or you can yeah book a call, jump on a connection call with me to have a chat about any of the work that I'm doing and hear about how we can help you level up.
0: Awesome, man. Well, uh, clearly you're doing some great work down there. I look forward to when things open up and we can cross paths and have one of those real in the flesh embraces and do some like, good
1: work together, man. Ah, bro, I can um, feel that. I can yeah. feel that already.
0: It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> But yeah, and I Thank you for taking the time to be here. It's good to drop in and get uh, see, see, hear more about what what you're up to and your perspectives on the world. I really think that they're valuable and important for people to understand. I think that that dynamic of here's the science because people love science, especially guys. Guys, guys can respect science, right? There's a lot of we can we'll, we'll argue with a lot, but once you start throwing science around and like stuff <laughs> that people can see and understand, there's a connect. It's like yeah. oh, okay, maybe you're onto something. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. So yeah, man, beautiful work, and uh, look forward to having you on down down the line in the future.
1: Before we jump off, Jed, I just want to acknowledge you, brother. You are an inspiration, man. You and the work that you do over here in the men's work community in Australia. You know, I've spoke I spoke about you coming onto this podcast, and your name is known, and the work that you do, Rising Man. It's 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 awesome you're a, you're a reference point for a lot of us to look up to brother. So love the work, love how you've had this conversation and yeah, just love spending time with you, man. I appreciate you having me here.
0: Thank you, man. Thank you.
1: Really received that. It
0: is truly an honor. I love it. And uh, yeah, I hope that more men find that because for me, it's, it's easy. It's too easy, mate. Too easy.
1: <laughs> Bloody easy, mate. Bloody <laughs> easy. Get along to a men's circle, mate. Come on. <laughs>
0: All right, bro. Lots of love to you, man. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you, brother. All right, y'all, for everything Rising Man, make sure you swing over to risingman.org. Get yourself registered in our Brotherhood community space today by going to risingman.org slash brotherhood and getting yourself signed up. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us and the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Thank you guys for showing all the love that you do in every way that you do, swinging that Rising Man banner everywhere that you go and letting everybody know what we're really all about. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.